Lord's Day. Great to be together to worship our Lord together. A few just kind of uh, housekeeping announcements for you. I'll say something later again, but I want to let you know that there is an outreach resource available for you in the uh, East Lobby. This is a booklet that Ray Comfort has done in light of the coronation this coming Saturday for King Charles, Prince Charles, who will be King Charles. Uh, and it's just a tremendous opportunity for you to strike while the iron's hot, people thinking about that coronation. Uh, what he does is he takes all the spiritual symbolism uh, related to the coronation and gives it biblical explanation and then points people, obviously, to the gospel. So I'd love for you to grab one of those. Uh, J- Jamie and Taylor actually provided those for us, so grab a few of those and take those with you and hand those out to some folks in your life, maybe a coworker, a friend, a neighbor, or just some random person you meet somewhere along the way. Ask them about the coronation, if they've heard about it, and if they'd like a book that would tell them more about it. They would, that would be just a tremendous intro to hand that off to them. So if that's available for you, please grab that on your way out today. Well, it's great to be together. Uh, today we've had a tremendous weekend. Had such joy in celebrating God's faithfulness on Friday night, 50 years of his faithfulness to our Christian school ministry. I don't think the folks who uh, spearheaded that and started that in 1973 could have known the impact that they would have had through that ministry over 50 years. It was just a joy to hear some of that, uh, just a a small snippet of God's work in lives through the testimonies given, and then to just celebrate together God's faithfulness and kindness uh, to that ministry. As part of that celebration, the school had J.J. Jasper come in and be the speaker for that, and I just asked J.J. uh, somewhere along the way if he would be willing to, to uh, stay over Sunday morning and be with us for the Sunday school hour. He actually has to jet from here and take off for a flight back to Mississippi. Uh, so some of you were there Friday. Maybe some of you weren't and don't know much about JJ. He is a radio personality for AFR, American Family Radio, the American Family Association. He has been with them since the beginning. It's about 32 years of ministry with AFR. He actually told me Friday at lunch that he was the first voice that came on uh, American Family Radio in 1991. So just has a, a long record of faithfulness and, and service with them, uh, and has a, a knack of making you laugh and encouraging you at the same time. Uh, so we are, really enjoyed that Friday night. Maybe you're also at the Heartland Pregnancy Care Center event last night at Grace. He spoke at that as well. I uh, look forward to hearing some of the jokes. I, don't, I wasn't able to make it, so you'll have to tell me some of those jokes later if you were there and got some good laughs from JJ last night. Uh, I don't know JJ real well, but I have been able to get to know him, especially at lunch on Friday, and it was really evident to me his love for the Lord and his love for the Lord's people, and the two passions that he especially has for Christian school ministry and for pregnancy care center ministry, uh, obviously rooted in the local church. And so he is going to come in just a minute and encourage us uh, and challenge us in the word. Let me pray for him and for our time together. Father, thank you so much for your love for us and for your mercy upon our church family. Thank you for the evidences of your grace that abound among us. We pray, Lord, that you would be honored and magnified through all of those things. Thank you for JJ and bringing him here. Thank you for allowing for his travel details to work out so he could spend a few minutes with us. We ask that you would encourage us through him and encourage him in his ministry to us. We pray, Father, that all of it would be to the building up of our faith for your glory. In Jesus' name, amen. JJ, would you come? Good morning. I hope everybody got a good night's sleep. I slept like a baby. I woke up every two hours and cried. (laughs) 
I apologize for being so casual. I'm literally leaving here and headed to the airport. But what a blessing to be here, to be part of the 50th anniversary of the Christian school. And last night, as was mentioned, it was a night of comedy and inspiration for the Pregnancy Center. And I did get a good night's sleep. I'm actually uh, Jake Willems, Jake and Julie. I'm staying with their parents. And uh, we have just had, we've, we've been friends, dear friends for many, many years. And uh, they've spent the night at our house. I've stayed there. And it's especially important. And I want to say I'm so glad that I was able to stay with them because I get to travel a lot. Um, I'm on the air with American Family Radio, as, as Matt mentioned. And we have almost 200 stations in 36 states. So I get to wake people up in North Dakota, North Carolina, and Texas, and here in Kansas. Just a privilege to be a cheerleader for Jesus, JJ and John in the morning. And since we have so many stations, I get the chance to be a keynote speaker and actually do stand-up comedy, and I crisscross the country, and they'll fly me in somewhere and put me in a hotel and fly me back. In fact, crazy schedule last week. Last week, I was in Montana, Florida, and Kansas. I was in Wellington, Kansas, all in one week, which is we, I never have a schedule like that. We left Mississippi. My wife went with me to Montana. We left Mississippi. It was daffodils, dogwoods, and high 70s. And when we landed in Montana, it was snowing and in the 20s. So that was a little bit of a shock. But I'm going somewhere with this. So um, all the travel, somebody takes care of the scheduling, and they fly me in somewhere and put me in a hotel and fly me back. And uh, a couple of times a year, they put me in a bed and breakfast. You know what a bed and breakfast is, right? Well, they'll have an old home place, and they use it for room and board, and they're real novel and, and, and real quaint, and it makes no difference to me. Well, years and years ago, I was doing a Valentine banquet for Bueller, Kansas, and the person that takes care of the scheduling said, oh, by the way, you're going to be staying in a bed and breakfast. And again, it makes no difference to me. I fly to Wichita, I get shuttled to Bueller, and the pastor's wife picked me up and was going to take me to the bed and breakfast. We drove a short ways, and she pulled into the parking lot of a nursing home. And, uh, and that's what I thought. And she said, we're here. Here it is. It's, here we are. I said, well, this is a nursing home. And she said, oh, somebody should have called. They should have called. I said, called about what? She said, Bueller is so small, we don't have a hotel or a motel, but the people here at the nursing home let us use a room for a bed and breakfast. <laughs> and I'm, I'm thinking, get out of here. That, that would be a PR nightmare. When people... When people come from out of town, you roll out the red carpet, and you put your best foot forward like it's been this entire weekend, and I thought I was being pranked. I get a chance to do stand-up comedy. I said, this is, this is great. You know, you bring in a comedian, and you're going to pull into the parking lot of the nurse home, and she was not kidding. And uh, those of you, how many listen to American Family Radio? Wonderful. Thank you for that. Don Wildman, the founder, AFA, AFR, they really do have a heart for faith, family, and freedom. Thank you for your love and your prayers and your support for American Family Association, American Family Radio. Those of you that have listened, as Pastor Matt said, on day one, when they flipped the switch, when we only had one station, I was the first voice on the very first morning to say good morning. So if you've listened, you know I love elderly, I love senior citizens. Well, now I am one. And... Uh, <laughs> But 
when I took my suitcase up to the front desk, it, it was a nursing home. I mean, all that you can imagine. And now, in full disclosure, it's a really, really nice nursing home, kind of assisted living nursing home. But I went up to the front desk. Down the hall this way was the cafeteria. Down the hall that way I could hear, help me, help me. <laughs> there on the door, just as plain as your teeth are in a glass, it said guest. And I went in, the first thing I always do is call my wife Melanie, let her know I made it okay. No phone in the room. It'd been a long flight. I went to the little boy's room. It had handlebars, foot pedals. I don't, I mean, it looked like it was designed by NASA. And, uh, and then I started thinking bed and breakfast. I don't even want to know about the breakfast. I get enough bran. I hate prunes. And have you noticed when life throws you a curve, when you get off balance, your imagination starts to race. Please say it's not just me. But when you get outside of your comfort zone, when life throws you a curve, when you get off balance, your imagination starts to race. And why is it always downhill? Because I started thinking, this really is happening. I mean, I really am. They're going to put, they've put me in a nursing home to spend the night. Are they going to come up in here at 2 in the morning and check my blood pressure? <laughs> or roll me over and give me a shot? Or worse? Well, it all turned out really well. It was a Valentine banquet for the Mennonite church. They were wonderful. And again, the Sunshine uh, Meadows or something, bed and breakfast, or I mean, uh, nursing homes, assisted living, really, really nice place. Uh, great place. Uh, but it was uh, it's something I'll never forget. I included it in one of my books. I think uh, Moses was a basket case, hilarious, true stories to encourage and inspire, or maybe it was the Jonah had a whale of a time. But it's, it was an unforgettable experience for sure. Well, it is great to be in Newton, and uh, after that little icebreaker, I would like to take a few minutes, uh, mostly testimony, and I want to tell you about the best day of my life and the worst day of my life. The, uh, I was born in, in Kentucky and uh, pretty average. Our family was not a Christian family per se. We were the family that went to church at Christmas and on Easter. And so uh, growing up, and I believed in God, but I was not a Christian. And growing up, I want to say I was just a pretty average kid. I, I tried to make good grades. I was a paper boy. I was a pretty decent athlete. I really wanted to be obedient to my parents and, and, and be a good boy and make them proud. And then along the way, I just remember trying to sort everything out between teachers and girlfriends and coaches, and it, there always seemed to be something missing. There was just something missing in my life that I couldn't quite put my finger on. Well, all of my friends in high school started to, to smoke cigarettes and cuss and tell dirty jokes and drink and do all those kinds of things. And I watched as they all started to drink and saw the, the consequences from that. And I thought, you know what? That's, that's crazy to live that way. I'm just going to stay on the straight and narrow and kind of gritting my teeth. And just without Jesus Christ in my life, I just tried to, to just be a good moral person. Well, the, uh, probably the summer before my senior year, I held out longer than anybody but it was just like this stream that was going, and everybody that was a football player, basketball star, cheerleader, everybody just seemed to be going the same direction, and they were talking about how much they partied on the weekend, all the fun they were having. 
And I just sort of jumped in the stream and just started going downstream when I was a, probably this, the summer before my senior year. And there's an old adage that says, sin will take you farther than you want to go, keep you longer than you want to stay, and cost you more than you want to pay. And that's what happened to me. It was just like I had, you know, I'd gone all those years without smoking or drinking, and it was just like I just floored the vehicle and and just drove off a cliff because I started doing all those things, smoking pot, drinking, uh, just getting in trouble with the law, everything you can imagine. It was like I just went over a cliff. Fast forward, my uh, I'd gotten out of high school and was living from pillar to post. And I could tell you some shocking decisions that I was making and the, the way that I was living, but it was just, I was just at rock bottom. And along the way, my grandmother, who was a, just a saint, she just absolutely head over heels in love with Jesus. She taught Sunday school for over 50 years at Yelvington Baptist Church in Yelvington, Mississippi. And my My granddad had passed away, and they were trying to decide what to do with my grandmother. She was in her 70s, and they were trying to decide what to do with me because I was living from pillar to post and just wild as as I could be. And so somebody suggested I moved in with my grandmother. Well, she lived so far out in the country, she didn't even have indoor plumbing, and it was Kentucky. And so, uh, you know, I had a little path that went out back, and uh, which wasn't so bad in the summer, but boy, in the winter, you could just go out there and get back quick and a had a little feather bed and a porch swing and a tin roof and boy when it rained and just you know you know that sound and that feather bed and some of you are old enough to remember when your grandparents or great-grandparents had the outdoor facilities but for a city boy this was a real culture shock it felt like I was moved on to Walton's Mountain and uh but I, I watched my grandmother and I just watched how faithful she was to read her Bible and to pray and to take meals to people who were sick and go to the hospital and sit with people. And just, I could see Jesus in her life. And because of her influence in my life and her example, well, then along the way, and I didn't go to church with her and I didn't do any of that, but I just could see the example of the joy and the peace and the patience that she had and the way she loved me unconditionally. And I was just so out of control and just just going wild with my friends. Well, my uncle, her son, he had a born-again experience with Jesus Christ. Well, this was a little bit odd to me because he was a church member, a faithful church member. He was on committees. He was very, very religious. Well, he had an encounter with Jesus Christ, and it changed his life. I saw the joy and how his marriage improved, and just how he had a spring in his step and a smile on his face. His life wasn't perfect, but his life, his life was going like this, and my life was going like that. But for me, on the outside looking in, I said, well, he has just turned into a religious fanatic. He is just a Jesus freak. And he got so bad that he started carrying a little red New Testament in his pocket. And at every opportunity, he would tell somebody about Jesus. And he would, he would talk to me about the Lord, and I just well, I really don't want to hear it. And I even was apologizing to my friends for him. I said, I don't know what's happened. He's had a nervous breakdown. He's gone off the deep end. He's a religious fanatic. And me and my buddies, we'd be in the backyard 
grilling burgers, drinking beer, telling dirty jokes, just doing everything that red-blooded American boys would be doing, and my uncle would pull in the driveway, and I would get as nervous as a long-tailed cat in a room full of rocking chairs. I said, oh, man. I said, he's, he's only got one thing on his mind. He's, all he wants to do is talk about God. I said, look, don't anybody engage him in conversation. You know, he was coming back where we were. And uh, I said, don't even look him in the eye. Don't even make eye contact. Because I said, he's just going to talk to us about religion. And so he came in the backyard, my Uncle Paul. And, and somebody made the mistake to say, how are you doing, Paul? He said, I'm glad you asked. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, he would look for an opportunity to tell you about Jesus at the drop of a hat. And he would drop the hat. And he, and he would say, I'm glad you asked. And he'd start talking about how it feels to have your sins forgiven. And how he said, I'm clean, and, and my marriage has improved, I'm, and I'm, my language has changed, and my entertainment choices are different. And he would, start, he would talk about Jesus like he was his next-door neighbor. And I just thought, well, there's a God up there in the, in the universe somewhere that made everything and then just sort of turned it, the, the, the switch, and kind of got everything going. But he just talked about how, how you could have a personal relationship with the living Lord. And it was not religion. It's a relationship. It's not an hour or two going to church through the week. It's, it's knowing Jesus. Do you know Jesus? Have you come to a place where you've realized your need for God, humbled yourself, repented of your sins, and received Jesus Christ into your heart and life by faith? And I saw the change in his life the peace and the love and the joy. And because of my grandmother's example and because of my Uncle Paul, his faithfulness and boldness to share the gospel over and over again, I got down on my knees in that little house. I was at rock bottom, and uh, I actually was suicidal. I'd gotten my, my grandmother's pistol, and, uh, and I was thinking, contemplating taking my life because everything, I, I I'd totaled my car, I'd lost my girlfriend, I'd lost my job. I, was, I weighed 120 pounds, and I was, I'd been drinking and smoking pot every single day for maybe two years straight. And it's, you know, it's, it's amazing what the devil can do in a person's life because, like I said, through high school, I was a pretty decent athlete and just a joy and a blessing to everybody. And it's, now I was just a, it was just scorched earth. I just was just, just at the bottom of the barrel. And Jesus said in John 10.10, the thief comes but to steal, kill, and destroy. The devil doesn't play fair. He goes for the juggler, and he hates us, and he wants to destroy your marriage. He wants to destroy our young people. He wants to destroy our country. Look what's happened in just the last two years. The devil hates us. Jesus said he came to steal, kill, and destroy, but Jesus said, I've come to give you life and give you an abundant life. So the best day of my life, you know, I said I was going to share about the best day of my life. Maybe, you know, we've all had good days. Maybe your best day was a Thanksgiving or a Christmas, or maybe one Christmas you did get a pony. But, uh, you know, we've all had some really good days. Uh, my wedding day, my wife Melanie and I, next week we'll be married 25 years, and my wedding day, right there near the top, but it wasn't the best day of my life. We have seven children. I was in the hospital room when six were born, and it was a miracle. It was, it's just amazing what God does with those, with those little babies and new birth and new life. But that was not the best day of my life. But January the 15th, this seems like a long time ago, January the 15th, 1977, that was the best day of my life. I was, 
I was 19 years old, and as I said, I was at rock bottom, and I got on my knees, and I asked God to forgive me of my sins, and I invited Jesus Christ into my life, and he came into my life, and he changed me, and I immediately felt this weight lifted. And then he just started giving me an insatiable hunger for his word and started giving me the joy and the peace that passes all our, our understanding. And I just wanted to get sober, and I was just hoping to be free from all this addiction, all these, these chains that were wrapped around me. And I had no idea, fast forward, that I'd be on the radio and get to be a cheerleader for Jesus on national radio and all the ways that he's blessed, blessed me. But here's what happened to me in Ephesians, the second chapter. You know these verses, Ephesians 2, verses 8 through 10. For by grace you have been saved through faith. And this is not your own doing. It is the gift of God, not a result of works, so that no one can boast. For we are his workmanship, created in Christ Jesus for good works, which God prepared beforehand that we should walk in them. For by grace you have been saved through faith. And then a little couple of verses in Ephesians 3 that have become life verses for me. Now to him who is able to do immeasurably more than all we can ask or think, according to the power at work within us, to him be glory in the church and in Christ Jesus throughout all generations forever and ever. Amen. It says, now to him, we know who the him is, now to him who is able to do exceeding abundantly, it says in the King James Version, exceeding abundantly more, much more, much more than we can ask or think. In NIV, I think it says immeasurably more. You can't even measure how much God wants to do in and through you. And it says, now to him who is able to do immeasurably more than you can ask or imagine, you know, to him be glory in Christ Jesus. Well, we can ask for a lot. And it, the Bible says that God can do more than you can ask for, much, much more. Well, we can imagine all sorts of things. And the one who the son has to ask his permission before it comes up each morning, he says, guess what? I can do more, much, much more than you can even imagine. And you think, wait, now that's, that's a little bit of a stretch. Can I tell you that I never would have imagined, I never would have imagined being on national radio and being able to encourage and inspire and hopefully challenge people for some 30 years. I never would have imagined the mission trips that I've taken to India and uh, uh, the Dominican Republic and Bangladesh and uh, um, just all sorts of places. I never would have imagined my beautiful, godly wife, uh, Melanie, who we've been married 25 years, as I mentioned, May the 2nd, I never would have imagined the joy that our children have brought, seven children, and just like you with your children or grandchildren or nieces or nephews, there's just the joy in those relationships that God has trusted us with. And now we have two grandsons, and then uh, my daughter got married a little over a year ago, and they're having a baby this summer, and just one more grandson to add to the mix, and it just seems like God has been so faithful, and he truly, in my life, he's done exceeding abundantly more than I could ask or imagine. I could not have manufactured a life 
to be as rich and rewarding as our life has been since I said yes to Jesus, since I surrendered to him. It's simply saying no to the world, say yes to God. Say no to the devil, say yes to the Lord Jesus Christ. Put your faith and trust in Jesus and try to do like it says in Proverbs 3, verse 5 and 6. Trust in the Lord with all your heart and lean not on your own understanding. In all your ways, acknowledge him and he shall direct your paths. Well, I said I was going to tell about the best day of my life, and it really is uh, the, the, the decision that I made to accept Jesus Christ in my heart and life. That was the best day of my life, uh, more than any of the other days combined, because everything in my life that has significance, everything in my life that has purpose, our eternal value, our practical value, everything hinges to that decision that I made when I was 19 years old. I married a Christian woman because of that decision. We're raising our kids uh, as to, be, to love the Lord and to serve Him because of that decision. So we sent our kids to Christian school for that reason. I'm working at a ministry because I want to impact others for Christ and help disciple people. It all hinges, it all goes back to that decision that I made uh, to, to invite Christ into my life. So that was the best day of my life ever. Well, I want to share about the worst day of my life. Um, and maybe you've had some fender benders, an appliance break, or strain on your marriage, or rebellious teen. We've all had some bad days, but I've had one day that if you wadded up all the, the bad things that have happened, the, the times that girls have broken up with me, I told a guy one time, I said, I've had so many girls break up with me, my heart beats with a limp. I've been, I've been brokenhearted so many times. But we've all had, maybe you got cut from the team or, you know, you had, a, a, again, a fender bender or you got a, a ticket, you know, and you're like, what a, what, what a terrible day I've had or a terrible week. Well, there's one day in my life, if you combined all the trouble and struggle and disappointment, you could put it in a ball and it wouldn't compare to, to the worst day of, of my life. And I'll try to be quick about this. But I, and I shared a little bit of this at the banquet at the Christian school on Friday night. But I had returned from Denver. I'd been there, I think, four days. And we're such a close family. I, I was just missing my wife and missing the kids. At the time, we had three little girls and one little boy. We'd bought a small farm, and we had horses and cattle. And so when I got home, I was a... I played with the girls, and then, uh, oh, when I got home, I sent Melanie to town, and she went reluctantly, but I played with the girls a little bit, and then our son Cooper, he was five years old, blonde hair, blue eyes, smart, funny, loved Jesus, athletic. If there was ever such thing as, the, as a perfect child, it was Cooper. Russ and Lori I knew him well, Jake. Uh, Jake came and stayed a couple of weeks with us one summer and you know got to know everybody, and, and Coop was just a remarkable remarkable little boy. All the other girls did like kids did. They went through the terrible twos, and they stomped their foot and said no. Cooper, not ever. He never once stomped his foot and said no. He would wake up in the morning, come down the stairs, and ask Melanie, how can I help you? What, is there any way I can help? Once Melanie was at a yard sale, and she saw some of her friends, and they started talking and talking, and they just got to talking so long, and all of a sudden, Coop disappeared, and he'd gotten a chair. He brought a chair. He said, Mom, you... You're standing so long here. Here's a chair for you to sit down. He is about four years old. All those girls said, my husband wouldn't even do that. <laughs> you know, 
And what, what, you know, what are you, what an amazing little boy to be so thoughtful and so kind. And he was always like that. He came home from school one time. I said, did you play with your friends today? It was at the Christian school. He said, no, I didn't play with my friends. I said, oh, how come? He said, well, there was a new kid at school, and I saw that he was just really sitting by himself, and he seemed like he was missing his old friends or maybe, you know, sad about being in a new city. So I just went and sat with him. I just I stayed with him all day because I didn't want him to be lonely, and I just wanted to, to try to be a friend to him. That's why he was 24-7. He was always kind. He was always thoughtful. And when you have one you know, one daughter or one son or an only child. You know, we had three little girls, one little boy. You know, there's just an extra special bond, and we would always do things together, and we'd fish, and we'd, uh, anytime I took off and went anywhere in the truck, he was right beside me, and we put out hay for the, for the cattle, and if I walked out the door, here, let me get my red rubber boots on. I want to go with you. Well, I'm just going over here to the barn. I know, but I want to go. And you didn't see one without the other. I came home from Denver, I was playing with the girls, and then Coop and I got in our dune buggy, and we started riding up and down the lane. We bought this dune buggy for its safety. It had a full roll cage. It had padded roll bars. It was really low to the ground. It, it wouldn't turn sharp. We even put a governor on it so it wouldn't go very fast. And he was buckled in. I wasn't. We rode up and down the lane, and then after we rode for a while, and I mean, it was just a perfect day. It was Friday. The weekend was here. The sky was blue. The wind was in our hair. Father and his son making memories, daddy and his boy having fun. After we rode up and down this lane, then I was going to pull into the pasture, and I was going to do what we always called a donut. I was going to turn, floor it, spin the dune buggy around, head back to the house. And I did that. Pulled off into the pasture, completely level. I floored it. Dune buggy picked up some speed. I spun it around, and then something went terribly wrong, and it rolled over. When I hit the ground, my first thought was, oh, man, if I put a a scratch on him, I'll never forgive myself. If we had to go to the emergency room and if he has to get stitches, I just don't think I could get over that. Or if I broke his little arm and he had to wear a cast and the dune buggy was still on its side and when I went to him, he was buckled in. And in that rollover, just a freak accident, it broke his little neck. And on July the 17th, 2009, my only son died in my arms. This morning, I don't have the words to express the shock and the horror, all those things you think it's surreal or it's just a horrible, terrible nightmare. Your whole life just can't turn upside down in the blink of an eye like that. It just seems like how can something so catastrophic happen in just a second? And just as you can imagine, it was all we could do to put one foot in front of the other and I try to put it into perspective, and I say on Friday night, Friday evening, we were riding the dune buggy, and our life was perfect. That was Friday evening. Saturday mid-morning, we were at the funeral home, and the funeral director was saying, which one of these caskets do you want to pick out for your little boy? And it's every parent's worst nightmare. So that was the worst day of our life. Uh, we really did hit bottom but we found that if you go all the way to the bottom, Jesus is there waiting for you, the, 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 the solid rock. And uh, he's faithful, and the words in this Bible are true. His grace really is sufficient. And we uh, continued to go to church. We didn't get bitter or angry at God. We didn't turn to drugs or alcohol. I'm so thankful for his word 
Uh, every night we opened our Bible and we read mostly in the Psalms. I heard Dr. David Jeremiah said Psalm 23 is the most tear-stained page in the Bible. And we got such great comfort from the Word. Our church family was there. Thank God for a, a wonderful church like yours here because the church family, we need each other. We couldn't have made it without our brothers and sisters in Christ. God's timing's perfect. Every call, every um, text, every time somebody brought a meal by, it was just perfect timing. And uh, he's sovereign. We don't understand. We still don't. But we know that God makes no mistakes. And uh, he, he, he loves us. God loves you. He's not mad at you. He's not out to get you. He has a plan and a purpose for your life. But you read in, in Matthew where the very familiar passage where it says that uh, the two men, one built their house on the rock, one built their house on the sand. They both heard the words of the Lord. One obeyed. His house was built on the rock. One ignored the word or neglected the word or just flat out disobeyed the word of the Lord. His, his house, his life is built on sand, shifting sand. And when the rain came down, when the floods rose, the one who built his house on the rock, he was still standing and the one that built their house, their life on sand, it was completely wiped away. Not just a little bit, it was just totally destroyed. But if you think about it, the storms of life came to both men. Jesus said that it rains on the just and the unjust alike. So you can't go from cradle to grave without some disappointment, without some heartache, without some trouble and tribulation and trials. And the older I get, the more I realize it's not a matter of if we're going to have um, disappointment, it's when. It's not a matter of, of if there are going to be some uh, discouraging times in our life, it's when. Because if you have elderly parents, you're going to cross that bridge, you're going to get that phone call, you don't dare dwell on it, but it's going to happen. If you have elderly parents, elderly grandparents, you're going to get that call. So knowing that that's going to happen, Jesus said, in this life, you will have tribulation, but be of good cheer because I've overcome the world. And I'm just so thankful for, for God's word. We would read our Bible when we didn't want to. We would pray when we didn't feel like it. We'd stay connected to a local body of, of, of Christians, just like your church here. But uh, when I said I was going to tell you about the the two days of my life, the best day of my life, and the worst day of my life. I know you've connected the dots that I was the one doing the driving, but I'll back up a little bit. It was my idea to, to buy the farm. It was my idea to buy the dune buggy. I was the one doing the driving. So if you've ever had any regrets in your life or any kind of guilt or shame you can imagine with me doing the driving, what that's like and having to, to live with that, but my friends say, how in the world are you not in the mental institution? How, are you not, how have you not turned to drugs or alcohol? The reason that I was able to make it on the worst day of my life is because of what happened on the best day of my life. Jesus is a life changer. We've got Easter in the rearview mirror, and Jesus really was born of a virgin, he lived a sinless life. He never, ever sinned, not once. And he willingly went to the cross for me and for you. And he paid our penalty. We deserve to be on that cross. But he nailed our, our sin. He, he, he nailed our, 
our rebellion, our disobedience. He nailed that to the cross, and after three days, just like the Bible says, I mean, 500 saw him at one time. It's true. It really did happen. It's not a myth or a fable or a fairy tale. Jesus is real, and he's alive. I've talked to him this morning. And because of his life and death and resurrection, we have hope and we have help. And it's all because of that relationship with our living Lord. Not religion, but a relationship. So I just wanted to come and and share that. I don't know if maybe you needed to hear that because you've had a tough week. You know, that thing where somebody says it could always be worse. Uh, But just to know that when your grandparent passes, don't be one of those people that shake your fist at God. We prayed for my grandmother to get well, and you say you love me. How can you be a God of love? And and this happened, and then so many people stop going to church, or they get mad at God. Listen, you can't go from the cradle to the grave without some disappointment and trials and temptations and trouble. It's, It's going to happen. So let's continue to keep our eyes on Jesus and stay in his word. I encourage you to please read your Bible every day. Jesus said, man shall not live by bread alone, but by every word that proceedeth from the mouth of God. That's in Matthew 4, 4, as well as um, I think Matthew uh, uh, 7. Well, I forget where the other, but but so many things where it just says this is God breathed and it's for inspiration and and correction and, and, uh, I just can't overstate the importance of you reading your Bible every day. It's food. It's nourishment. It gives us boldness and strength. And God will lead God and direct us as we read his Bible. We talk to him. That's prayer. And he speaks to us as we open up his word every day and read. So this has been a wonderful privilege to be here. Thank you again for listening to American Family Radio. Thank you for allowing me to be in in Newton this weekend at the for the Christian school on Friday night, for the pregnancy center on Saturday, and then here this morning. And then I would like to uh, close and uh, pray for you this morning and then ask uh, Pastor Matt, hey, I'm so impressed with your pastor. We got to eat lunch, and boy, the Lord has given you a wonderful pastor, as you well know, for what, 12 years? What a wonderful shepherd. He's just so winsome and got, got a blessed family and, and uh, loves the Lord and the way he's able to lead this church. And so I've been very impressed with uh, such a man of God and, and so many of you that I was able to meet. Uh, what a wonderful celebration it was Friday night, 50 years of God's faithfulness and all those seeds that were planted and to hear from the alumni and everyone. So it's been a great weekend. Thank you for including me. And I don't know what the takeaway from this message is. Certainly, if there's someone in the room, I'm not going to assume that everybody is in right relationship with the Lord. Maybe you're just a good person and you're religious, but you've never done what it says in John, the third chapter about being born again. It's so important and so serious. Jesus said no one's going to go to heaven unless they're born again. That's how serious it is. So I just hope that you've realized your need for God, repented of your sins, and received Christ into your heart and life, like the Bible says. And then maybe, uh, maybe you've strayed away from the Lord, and it's time for you to come back home. And the Lord just has a way of saying, come on in a little closer. Come on up a little higher. So I don't know where you are, and I don't want to assume that you're in right relationship with your Maker, that you're in right relationship with your Savior. But time is short. And uh, today is the day of salvation, like it says in God's word. So maybe that's for you, or maybe you've been discouraged. And again, you've got a rebellious teenager, or you've had some difficulty or trouble. As a, as a dad who lost his only son, I can tell you, it, 
it can be worse. Now, we're not the only family that has suffered loss, and, and I, if you've lost a, a child or if you've lost a spouse, I'm so sorry for your loss, but I don't know what the takeaway is, but I pray that the Lord will use our time together to encourage, to inspire, to challenge, convict, whatever he wants to do. But let's pray together. Heavenly Father, thank you for this, this time of teaching. Thank you for this wonderful body of believers. Will you continue to bless this church, bless Pastor Matt and the leadership team, uh, all the others who serve, the servant leaders, but thank you for this lighthouse for this region as they just let people know there's help and hope through you, Jesus. And Lord, I don't know who in this room needed to hear these words, but will you water the seeds that are planted? And if there's anybody that's never said yes to you, if they've never surrendered to you and placed their, their trust in you, Jesus, will you give them the courage, will you give them the faith to, to surrender and say yes to you? And maybe someone needs to be strengthened, maybe they've gotten tangled up in sin or they they're compromising and they're going off on a detour, please bring them back. But Lord, I pray that you bless each person here, uh, especially uh, bless their relationship with you, bless their health, bless their finances, bless their marriage. But God, thank you for these people. Bless them from the top of their head to the soles of their feet. And I pray all of this in the strong name of Jesus. Amen. Thank you. God bless you.